Welcome to the Allied Advantage, brought to you by Allied Nutrition. Our mission is to provide quality products, consistently made and delivered with the superior customer service and integrity that you desire and deserve. Tag along with your hosts, Ralston Rip and Jefferson Keller, as we gain knowledge, visit with industry experts from across the Midwest, and continue to share your stories. We are here to be your partner in production and success. The Allied Advantage. Welcome back to the Allied Advantage, episode number 13, Proform Edition, and I'm super excited about this topic today. I don't know what you think, Jefferson. I think it'll be really good. Uh, we've got a, a good pair of guests joining us to give some insight, and I think it's really timely for the season that we're in and what these uh, kids and their, their show animals will be kind of facing here coming up. So, no, I'm excited about it, and hopefully we get... Uh, some good uh, some good information out that these kids can use as they prep for spring jackpots or even looking forward to county fair and state fair yeah so a little sneak peek our topic today is really relevant to as you have show cattle what you should kind of be doing as good habits at home how you should be preparing for to kind of come into the spring spring season here um, how do you kind of decide which animals to jackpot, what kind of practice you should be doing at home, and um, kind of just all aspects of practicing to get to the road of, you know, a lot of success, kind of. So um, it's it's pretty exciting. We got to visit with an awfully successful show family with um, a really good, just a really good background in always learning and always evolving and changing and um, still being really rooted in in their family history. So I think that's pretty exciting. But I guess Jefferson too, before we roll into it, and as we're just kind of chatting and introing, what is your favorite part of routines at home? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know that I have like a favorite. Mm-hmm. I just think it's all of it, right? Like yeah. doing the work, um, building the routine, whatever it is. And you know, in the camps we've done in the past, we always talk in a perfect world, like this yeah. is what we would do, yep. right? But everybody's setup's different, everybody's schedule's different. Um, so you just have to, to figure out a system that works for you at your place with what you're able to do and keep it as consistent as possible. Um, and that's one of the things I think it's, it was fun to hear them talk about, um, you know, like you said, constantly learning and, mm-hmm. and to hear that from a family that's had the success they've had at all levels is really cool and I think a great message for for these kids that are just getting started but um I am definitely a person that would rather probably be on the wash rack yeah. than <laughs> running the blower uh, and I think that's probably changed a little bit but anymore when we're working on stuff at our place it's we've got 20 of them that we're trying to get mm-hmm. through and uh, yeah I'd rather be running the water hose than the blower hose yeah yeah no uh, I would definitely agree and um it was kind of fun growing up my sister and I, we kept our calves at our grandparents at our family farm. And so we definitely lived down there in the summer, but just a big old two-story barn and a couple pins in the bottom and a hayloft up top. And, you know, we just had all the doors open in the summertime to get the good airflow. And, you know, we had about six to eight fans, depending on how many calves we had that year. And uh, I definitely preferred the wash rack as well. And, you know, showing Herefords and some we even had some wild colored white ones every now and then I was the kind of the blue lights queen out on the wash rack and it was pretty tedious. And I liked the seeing the pearly white or sometimes I'd turn their heads purple, you know, <laughs> but that happens and Raylan would always be in running the blower. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, we'll talk about it too a little bit more, but everyone's unique in their, what they're able to do at home or what they even like or what works for them and works for their animals. And, it's a really good thing to remember, you know, that not only everyone's setup's different, but every animal's different. Just because someone that won the Grand Champion Market Steer did this and you do it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win every time, too. It definitely, uh, we talk about it with nutrition all the time of, you know, they might be eating the same exact same thing, but one might gain two and a half pounds and the other one might gain, you know, three pounds or maybe they don't gain on it or maybe they are picky eaters and Um, So I think it's just a pretty cool perspective, the conversation that we got to have with this family on continuing to learn, continuing to try new things, kind of have the trial and error and learn from it and move forward. And um, I think that's that's 
pretty neat that in our industry, folks that have been in it for such a long time understand the importance of continuing to learn no matter what. Absolutely. And I think just, you know, kind of getting back to trying to bring it some seasonality to it. The season that we're in right now is always, it's tough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we've had unseasonably warm weather. Mm-hmm. So maybe some calves are already starting to shuck because they're like, oh, it's springtime, you know, yeah. we've hit 60 a few days or, you know, ringworm's a problem for a lot of people and stuff starts to rub and you maybe start losing hair here and there yeah. that it is a battle. Uh, you know, we've had a bunch of snow that melted off. So then you're dealing with deep mud and how yeah. to be able to manage that and it's I think you know in the realm of taking care of show cattle one of the most challenging times of the year that we're in right now so uh, that was really our goal to to kind of try to bring some insight and perspective into things you can do right now right to to kind of set yourselves up for success and uh, I think like I said there's some really good information that hopefully people can take home and put into practice yeah no exactly and Um, we had a great conversation and I don't really want to delay it any longer, but I do have one final question. You know, we kind of talked about the wash rack versus blowing, I guess for you, Jefferson, would you rather be fitting or the one showing? That's a great question. Uh, you know, when I was still young enough to be going like to junior shows, I like to do both. Yeah. Uh, now most of the time I'm back in the barn getting Mm -hmm. stuff ready for kids. Uh, but it's also different on this side of it when yeah. we go up to the ring i'm like yeah you know what are you doing yeah i wish i was the one on the halter uh yeah. because they're maybe not setting them up how i would like yeah. them to be or those sorts of things but uh i like seeing kids get out there and mm-hmm. be able to kind of show off their animals um and i you know take a lot of i guess pride in and take it pretty seriously that these families you know trust me and my team that we put together to to yeah. get their animals ready um that's not something you know this is a very expensive yeah expensive deal to participate in and so when they trust us to uh, give their kids and their animals that they've invested in the best shot to go out and be successful yeah. um we take it seriously and we joke because uh some of the people you know that run around with us to all these jackpots always talk about how intense we are mm-hmm. you know they think that we're we get mad you know when we're yeah. back at the shoots and I always tell them it's not that we're frustrated with you mm-hmm. maybe the situation the calf's not standing or you know they're beating her in their tail and yeah. it's a challenge to get them ready uh but the reason that it does get tense is because we you've trusted us right yeah. this is our job yeah. this is the only reason that we're here right uh, and so we want to do the best that we can and that's where I think that comes from. It's nothing personal in those scenarios yeah. towards the people. It's just kind of the, the situation that we're in when calves aren't cooperating or, or making it challenging for us to get them put together. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because you talk about this and I think back to, um, you know, just the passion that you show. Like I can remember getting out of the ring so many times and not getting called back to showmanship or not making it to the top 10. And you know, like you're angry, like you're, you're upset and like, um, we were really fortunate, you know, looking back of our mom really pushed us and was competitive and got mad at us or like, you know, was like, what were you doing? Like, get your head out of your butt. Like, what do you, what's been going on? And I think just the passion and the moment definitely gets to you. And rather than seeing it as a negative, uh, I think to, we just got done watching the Super Bowl and kind of the meme going around is Travis Kelsey yelling at the coach, you know, and catching them in the, that passionate moment. And that definitely happens frequently, I feel like, back at the shoots or ringside even at times. Absolutely. And I think you go back to like the saying, you know, for people that grew up in sports, which mm-hmm. I played sports all the way through high school. Um, you know, if, if a coach stops being hard on you, yep. they've given up. Yep. Right. And I think it goes the same way. Like a lot of the kids that I help call me their coach, yep. uh, that if I'm ever not invested, yep. that's a sign that I would rather be somewhere else. Yep. And um, I think that just kind of goes back to the intensity of, yeah. of getting our job done. And there are days that are frustrating, right? Where you can, you walk, you show up and you know that their head's not in it. They, yeah. you know, they're daydreaming yeah. and, and you can see it and you just know it's going to be one of those yeah. days, uh, which is frustrating. But then you get to, to points, uh, you know, in their careers where we had uh, a girl win state fair showmanship a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. First year she was old enough to even show at the state fair nobody saw that coming right I mean she yeah. does a good job but like never would have guessed like that was crazy you yeah. know I mean 
It was just the right day, the right mood, you know, her right. partner acted All right. All the stars aligned. And there's yep. a video, actually, I've got on my phone of my reaction to it, <laughs> you know, like this pretty cool, but... Um, it's a, it's a wild ride sometimes and I'm there for it all and and it's a blast. Yeah, no, for sure. And, um, I think without further ado, let's introduce our family that we're fortunate enough to work with and fortunate enough to even grow up showing with. And it's the, the Strope family and the Strope gals that took some time an evening to join us. Um, Melaine and Taylor were super excited for the conversation we got to have with them and, um, this episode's getting released while we're out here at, at a show even, so I think it's pretty fitting. But without further ado, let's turn it over to our conversation with Taylor and Lynn. All right. Well, uh, as we uh, kind of gave you sneak peeks in our intro there, we're excited to have a couple of guests with us here on uh, this pro form edition of the Allied Advantage and uh, a family that I've known for a long time. I uh, grew up showing against uh, them quite a bit and now uh, helping some families and see them, see them all over the road uh, at shows. Um, excited to have Melaine and Taylor Strope with us today to talk a little bit about uh, the season that we're in and some things that, you know, young families or really anybody, uh, some pointers that you can kind of take home and put into practice uh, things to be thinking about when it comes to getting your show calves ready, whether it's jackpot season or or planning for on down the road when it comes time for county and state fair. So, uh, Melaine, Taylor, why don't I go ahead and just let you guys introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of background uh, on on you both. All right. Well, uh, I'm Melaine Strope, and I have uh, my daughter Taylor with me, and her brother Baron shows cattle as well, but he normally won't say much when the two of us are involved so he opted out of this uh session and maybe um jefferson can get him to come on some some other time to give uh, another perspective as well but i think i'll start with a little bit of history of me growing up and then turn it over to taylor and let her talk about uh, her experiences as well taylor's grandfather Lauren Takel showed cattle at the county and state fair level. That would be my father. And he also showed cattle at the International in Chicago. And that is now the North American on the green chips in Louisville. And if you ever asked him, he would say that that totally ruined the show, moving it from Chicago to uh, Louisville. But he grew up showing shorthorns mainly. His father had absolutely no idea about showing cattle or had zero interest in it. So Lauren had to learn by doing it and taught himself and seeked advice from others. And I want to say that his county agent was probably the first person that he went to, to to get advice as well. We always joked, my brother and I, Lauren Tackle Jr., said that uh, if you were born into our family that you were going to be showing cattle. And I think that Taylor will probably say that that just keeps getting passed down uh, to generations. Uh, When I was showing calves, it was mostly on the local and state level. Uh, Exarbon was kind of our big one. And then every once in a while, we would go to the American Royal or Denver. I was lucky, of course, to have the support of my parents and someone who had the knowledge that you could talk to about it. And so you had that foundation to start, but we always ask others for advice as well. And I'm going to tell you that we continue to learn things all of the time. Yes. So I am Taylor Strope and I was extremely lucky because when I started showing, I had my mom who obviously had done it all her life. And my dad, Boyd, had also done it a little bit. And so getting to grow up with both of them I I definitely was born into it. Like she said, there was no ifs, ands, or buts. I was showing cattle. Um, My first time I showed by myself, I showed a short horn at the age of five. And that kind of, it just rolled from there. It kept going from there. And short horns were really my love when I started showing. I fell in love with the breed and the association and the people involved. And I always remember, especially at a young age, hearing, oh, you're Melaine Takel's daughter. And it was kind of cool just to see that history go through with specifically showmanship skills that my mom had taught me. 
that I was now applying today. And it was just really cool to see like how our family has grown so much over the years as well. But like I said, my love was for shorthorns and I'd been showing them since a very young age to the point that in high school, my senior year, I decided to apply for the National Shorthorn Lassie Queen. I was fortunate enough to be their ambassador for a year and that was extremely exciting. I had gone to a lot of the national shows, but never had the opportunity to see it from a different perspective. And that was really my way of giving back to that breed. My family also then decided to get more involved with the Mananjou and Kianina breeds. And then I fell in love with another. <laughs> I never thought that I would like be so torn between two different breeds. But after a few years, I also decided to run for the National Mananjou Association. And I honestly didn't anticipate serving on that board. I hadn't been involved in the breed for as many years as some people, but I knew I loved it. And I was lucky enough to also serve on that board and be a part of an awesome team and just grow my love for not only the show cattle industry, but relating it so much to the commercial industry as well and just being good stewards of livestock. But now I live in Iowa where... I have some of my shorthorn and main Andrew cows with me and just continue that herd and hopefully someday have kids of my own that I can pass this down on to as well. So enough about us. The <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll talk about something that you guys really want to hear about. And I, I think I'm just going to hit on a few things and then like Taylor interject and uh, we'll just go from there. We try to pick out our calves uh, if we didn't raise them, um, try to raise some ourselves, but uh, we try to pick them out in the fall and then hit the jackpot season with Thanksgiving time is usually the first show uh, that has changed a bit for us in the last couple of years. And we like to go to the fall classic in Kearney, uh, the first part of uh, November. And it's a great opportunity to be able to get your calves out and practice with them. You don't want that to be the very first time that they've ever seen a halter, but we have come to learn over the years that the first two to five shows are practice ground for us, so to speak, or a learning tool. And it's important to do a bunch of practice at home. I feel like we did a better job when the kids were younger because the calves had to be tamer than uh, they are now to even be able to take them somewhere. But I always tell the kids now that I'm too old to have uh, a wild calf. So we need to go back to working on them more at home and practicing at home and things. And in the winter time, we also practice clipping. And I mean by all, I mean that all of us do because of course uh, it's uh, more con um, forgiving for making mistakes. You can uh, see what it looks like to uh, do certain things with certain animals. And there have been a time or two where we're just hoping for the hair to grow back as fast as possible because it was really not the thing to do. And we've done that at shows as well. I know some people think that, well, maybe we shouldn't clip their hair uh, because it's fresher for the show right away. And that might be so, but we like to have them clipped so that we're working the hair that needs to be worked and not the long hairs and such, especially with the way calves are hairier now than they ever have been, I, I would think. So the skin care and washing we think are important as well. And we use just a cheap dish soap and a dandruff soap mixed in with it and vinegar and water to rinse them. And then you can use the other products, um, whether it's a Weaver or Sullivan product that you like best uh, to try to put some moisture uh, back in the hair with, with oils or, or whatever it might be. So you both hit on some really good points there. Um, you know, from your introductions of yourselves to kind of your thoughts on home care this time of year but uh, the one that uh, Melaine you really touched on in, in the start was asking questions and learning from people and that you're still learning today I think that is is awfully awfully big you know 
any of us, I would say, is the same is the same case, right? Correct. Um, every every show I go to, I probably learn at least one new thing. Uh, see somebody do something a certain way, uh, and there's been a lot of people over the course of my time being involved in the show world uh, that I have have gained a ton of knowledge from. I've got a list that I'm confident that I would not be where I am today if it weren't for those people taking the time to show me things and, and show me the ropes and teach me uh, how to do things, which has been awesome and something that I think is really cool about this industry. And it's, it's fun to hear you say that because that's something that I always recommend to kids, right? We've done the show clinics and camps the last two summers. And that's one of my big things is do not be afraid to ask questions. I, I know if you're walking through the barn, there are people there that probably seem intimidating. So just walk up to out of the blue, right? But I would venture to guess that more often than not, as long as they're not right in the middle of doing something important, they'll be happy to answer your questions and, and give you give you a few minutes to kind of pass on some knowledge. Well, we have definitely learned the most and need to give the most credit to Wayne and Barb Ulrich for our family. Absolutely. We, Barb and I talk, it's not daily, but it's probably weekly, maybe about cattle. It may not be about cattle, but the crazy thing now is that Barb will, and Wayne will even ask us questions. Well, what feed supplement are you guys using um, for this or that trait? Or if they see a calf that we bring to, because Wayne will clip hooves for us, and he'll be like, are you feeding this calf such and such supplement? And it's like, yes, I am. Okay, well, and then usually he's asking because he's thinking we should be feeding it, and he wants to make sure that we are. So uh, we ask them a lot. Jefferson, how many times do you have to field my questions? <laughs> and it's never short. It's usually a 30-minute conversation of what do you think of this or that? It's a lot, that's, isn't it? That's okay. That's a, those are good conversations, right? Uh, you know, being able to talk things through and get different perspectives. I know at State Fair this past year, you know, well, there was a family that had gotten a heifer from me that we were trying to figure out, okay, if we want to make a fall run through Denver with her, what do we need to do to get her there and keep her fresh enough? And you know, I went around the barn and grabbed four or five different people that I think a lot of and said, Hey, will you come over and look at, at this heifer? And, and if she was at your place, what would you do? Right. Those are all things I think that for people just starting out are, are crucial because like I said, there's so many things that I've learned just from odd conversations, you know, not even necessarily going out and trying to track down certain information that have been awesome for me and done me an awful lot of good. Yeah, I'm I'm bold enough to walk up to someone that I may or may not know and ask them, why are you doing that with, may I ask why you're doing that to that calf or what is what is this supplement do uh, for you, for your animal and such, because I think that's one thing that has changed dramatically since I was showing for sure. And, and from when Taylor was showing, maybe it's changed because I finally learned it, but feeding, feeding the animal for your endpoint and the types of feed that you're using. Uh, we definitely learned going from the shorthorns to some of the more moderate framed Angus influence in in the mains and keys that they don't need as much feed. They don't need as much um, hot feed. How about that? Um, no offense to the shorthorns because they're changing too, but they they just don't need as uh, hot a feed. They they need filler and protein and all that type of stuff. And uh, Taylor can tell you that we still have conversations of a couple of show heifers of hers that did really good early and not so good later because mom fed them too too much too hard. Yeah, I definitely think um, questions are what gets you to where you are. Obviously, I grew up with a mom who knew a lot, but there's also things that she obviously doesn't know. And it's okay to learn more. And I remember learning things and bringing them back to my mom. Specifically, I think about fitting 
maybe I wasn't always asking questions, but if I saw people fitting that I've seen before, it's okay to stand there and watch. It's okay to see what they're doing. That's an easy way. Of course, they're busy, but you don't have to interrupt them and you can just watch and see what they do. It took a long time. I'm a very sociable person, but it took a long time for me to grow the confidence to actually ask questions to people, especially those that I didn't know. But I think that's so incredibly important just to continue to ask things as you go along, especially on feed. Feed is something that my mom always took a hold of. So now I find myself more now than even before. Like, I wish I would have asked some more of those questions ahead of time. And just like having Jefferson and Ralston and other feed companies and uh, different suppliers at shows, that's what they're there for, to go ask questions too. When you see one of the show supply trailers, go ask them questions. That's what they want to do too, you know, is discuss and talk with people who are in the industry right now. So there's nothing wrong with asking questions, observing, and learning from everyone around you. I love just getting to listen to you gals as you're talking about your kind of your upbringing and how you got to where you are to just how you continue to learn. And I think the coolest thing is, is it's always a family affair for you guys, whether it's blood related or not. Um, just talking about people that you see walking down the aisles or Wayne and Barb Ulrich, you know, I can even remember Wayne or Barb being in the make ready area or your guys's family as we were waiting to go in for Exarbon and if something needed done or, you know, you needed to wipe manure off the butt that whoever would do it, whether they were with you or not. And I think that's just pretty cool to watch and to observe and to ask the right questions and to really build that show family. I've definitely enjoyed getting to know you guys showing and just getting to watch, to really watch you guys do it as a family is pretty neat. But I think with that, if we go back to kind of our route of talking about home routines right now and also getting out to shows, I think a big thing like I think about is calves are going to start shucking as we're getting warmer weather here in March. So I guess kind of keeping down the pathway of your guys' routine, what are you kind of doing right now as maybe you're getting out to shows or maybe you're still clipping on some or maybe you have some shucking at home that are going to have to stay home from the show. How do you kind of balance who goes out right now and how do you prepare them to still be their best and be successful in the long run? Well, I think our first decision on who gets to go where has to do with what calves need work and which ones don't. Honestly, we're, yeah. we're kind of in that that mode. And if there's one that has lost too much hair or possibly has ringworm that is so bad that uh, they just, you know, you don't want to infect other animals around you, then they get to stay home. And sometimes I feel like it doesn't matter how hard you work, that those things can happen. You can pour them like you're supposed to and, and such. But at this point, if we have one that needs to be shucked, we will do it no matter what the, well, shoot, we wanted to show him uh, in two weeks. Uh, we just will start doing it. Shaving them scares the behebie-jeebies out of our family. Yeah, we, me we, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, um, we've done it a time or two, but it just, uh, it, it scares me too much to even do mm -hmm. it most of the time. So, uh, and I realize we're a ways away from shaving. It is only February. Yeah. But we're just there again after we've done this clipping, whether they're going to, you know, we're preparing for the classic right now. Our main focus, honestly, is Baron's sale heifer because we yep. want we want him, you know, we're getting to the point where the the kids are wanting to provide animals to other young kids that make them successful. And so we're just making sure that she's show ready as well. But those animals, it, we try to... You can't be out there every day this time of year, but, and some people aren't lucky enough to have the facilities that we have. So if it's a warmer day and you don't have a, a nice heated area to wash your calf, uh, wait till it gets warmer outside and, and try to try to schedule that and working the hair and the just keeping it clean with the blower and uh, trying to, at this point, make them not muddy. I think the you know, we're dealing with all of the melting snow and stuff. Yeah. It's more of 
it's more of where they're living than the hair care in the barn at times. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that, of course. I think we've kind of learned that, like my mom mentioned, when they start shucking hair, it's best just to kind of do it. I know it's not ideal sometimes with the shows that are going on, but it's just kind of best to get that dead hair out of there, especially as we start to go into these summer months. The sooner that you shuck it, the sooner you can work on getting it back. And of course, we still have a little bit of cool time left, but as we move into the summer, regardless of if you're someone with a cooler or not, it's the basics are the same. Working the hair is the same. Rinsing and or washing is just extremely important to continue to work that hair. I think a lot of people think that you can go in on the day of the show and it's just all the way you blow it and comb it. It's just going to fall right into place. Well, just like our hair, that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way all the time. <laughs> so the more that we work hair, the better it's going to be. Um, this change in weather can also be hard on calves. Their hair is adjusting. So you never really know what you're going to get. So you have to try a lot of different products as well. We've probably gone through so many products just to try and find what works best. And a lot of times what works best is different for each animal. Mm -hmm. So whether you're using Sullivan's, Weaver, any other product that's on the market, it's not a one size fits all. So we like to use some type of good product just to keep their hair healthy we like to use a product that helps their hair ideally grow a little bit. And we want to be sure to be thinking about their skin as well, um, because there's something under that hair too that we don't always think about. So those are a lot of the things that in the next month or two, we're going to start trying and discovering like what works for this calf, what doesn't. You don't, of course, see results all the time in a week or two. You have to give it some time. But that's why we start now. The other thing that we have found out that it's more nutrition based, I think, than it is the what you're putting on top of the hair. Mm -hmm. um, if you're wanting to have good, healthy skin and hair, just like we take supplements, vitamins, minerals, uh, uh, the calves have to make sure they have nutrition. And then that's where we a lot of times get advice not only from Jefferson, but I'll ask other people that are knowledgeable about it as well. And what works for one calf might not work for the other. But and that's something we do too with our calves. If we'll start feeding them uh, in the November, December area altogether a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But as we get into this time of year, and we probably were maybe first of January, we're splitting animals up based on body type, uh, not necessarily steers and heifers, because there are some steers that don't need as much feed as maybe a, another heifer and so on. But we try to do that or slow eaters versus versus fast eaters. I think back to getting some advice one time from Kirk Sturwall, who said, if you have 12 head, you need 12 pens because you want to feed them all separately to know who's eating what. That's fine, but you might also find out that you have a calf that doesn't eat well because he wants a buddy with him too. So anyway, I think a lot of it's trial and error and then calling up your uh, people that you trust, um, people you stall beside at these shows that, oh my gosh, haven't, didn't, I mean, I know who you are, but we haven't talked before. And even last year, we got a much closer relationship with a couple families. And it it is, that's what it's all about, Ralston. Like you said, for it's mm -hmm. it's a family affair, whether it's blood yep. or not. And that's the best part of the show, show thing. Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I love, I really appreciate you guys talking about that it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a one size fit all. Because sometimes I think like, oh, if we do, if we do what the grand champion steer just did, we're going to get grand champion steer. But it definitely doesn't work out that way because animals aren't made the same, just like we're not made the same. What works for you might not work for me and what works for, you know, calf A might not work for calf B. And I think that's important to remember when you're looking at creating good habits or good routines or good feeding strategies that there's there's a lot of different options out there and there are a lot of different ways to do things and more ways than one to be successful. But your guys' point of just asking questions and building relationships is definitely a universal 
task or action that anyone can take to learn more and just to to be better too. The one piece of advice while talking about feeding strategies that I want to interject before I forget it, because I think it's one of the most important things that we learned as a family. And it is so much easier for us. It might not be for everyone else, but it's so much easier for us to hold and maintain steers knowing that in July and August, you it's nice if you don't have much weight that you have to put on them because we have gone down that road with somewhere, well, they just need to gain t- two to three pounds a day and they'll be fine. And, and they did not. And it might be something to do with the calf too, but I'm going to say 75% of the time, it's a lot easier to hold and maintain in July and August than it is to get them to gain weight. And I have the separate philosophy for heifers. Once you get them to a point, you cannot get them back. So (laughs) don't feed them as much. Don't ask me about advice on heifers, because if I say something, you cut it in half. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. My family has the same problem. (laughs) We like to feed cattle too much. Yes. I think that that's a really good point, you know, talking about it's easier to hold and maintain than, okay, we have 30 days and I've got to get 160 pounds, right? You can only make cattle gain so much. It doesn't matter how much you feed them. And that's a, something that I recommend to families a lot of times, and this time of year especially, or starting the first of the year. Let's use nature to our advantage, right? Cattle, when they're lighter weights, convert better. They're going to most likely eat better when it's cool versus when it's 100 degrees come end of June and July. We can always slow them down and pull their reins back. But like I said, if you, if you get 30, 45 days out and get that oh crap moment i need 150 200 pounds there's not a lot you can do so that's something that i i make that recommendation a lot i think that's a a really good point for people to think about you know as they're starting to to strategize and plan well and i feel like we have learned more from people like jefferson on feeding heifers too and listening to them you can kind of use the same philosophy of Yes, it's not a hot feed, but it's still a lot of feed. It's a lot of filler, working on making that um, flank drop, belly drop, all of that. You cannot give one a belly in 30 or 45 days either. I I do not believe. I haven't been able to do that unless uh, Jefferson or Ralston know of of some magic for that as well. I don't. And, you know, speaking on the, the topic of magic... I wanted to hit again on the, there's not the one fits, one size fits all program, whether it's feeding or daily and hair care, right? And that every animal is different. I know from my experience, products that I like using on our Herefords, some of my friends that run clubby steers and heifers will never touch them. They hate them. But for what we've got, the hair type we have, I think they work great. And I think the other thing to talk about just a little bit on the product side of things is I feel like at times there's families or or people that, okay, we use this, this gallon of product that costs a hundred dollars a gallon or whatever the price is, it's going to do X for me. That's not always the case either. Right. Um, So I always try to, whether we're talking about that kind of stuff or feeding and supplements, make sure we have realistic expectations and that regardless what we're doing, you still have to do the work. Just because you're spraying this stuff, you can't quit rinsing and blowing and brushing, right? You always, you still have to do all the all the basic things, and hopefully those are the extra pieces that'll make you have a nice shine and a good healthy hide, and get the hair to pop a little bit easier, right? Absolutely. Um, that's the one thing that hasn't changed since uh, I was showing, and uh, we weren't as as crazy about working hair and those types of things as we are now. I don't know if crazy is the right word, but we worked them. I mean, you you worked hair every day and you worked hard. And working harder than someone else doesn't necessarily mean that you will do better, but it takes a lot of hard work and time. And you have to be willing to put that in. And some calves will make you look like a hero because they have great hair. Jefferson and Ralston know for sure about Herefords. It it takes takes even more time and effort to um, 
get just a little bit and, and look good. But having it healthy is the most important part. I'm thinking about winter hair care and one cheap and easiest thing that we have learned, and this is from someone else uh, that we learned this from, is vinegar and water. Just use vinegar and water. And we put it in a spray bottle because that way you make sure all of the hair is getting, or is or in one of those blower mister bottles. It makes the hair soft. It helps for flakes. It um, And you can use a lot of it and before you spend $100. That's a good tip. <laughs> it helps the wallet and makes the hair look good, right? Exactly. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> no. I think it's also important to realize too, like just because you do all of it and it's a hard lesson to learn, but just because you work the hair every day, two to three times a day, just because you're constantly putting this on and trying the tricks it doesn't always come together either. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. I remember one summer that I worked my tail off on a steer that I thought was going to be so great. I was going to do so well at state fair and he just never grew the hair. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard lesson to learn too, that sometimes it just isn't right. I mean, genetics have a lot to do with it as well. And it's not for lack of trying. It's just that, hey, it just wasn't meant to work out this time. And there have been times that those summers I spent working my tail off in the barn, my brother worked his tail off, like it paid off. We saw the hair change. We saw it grow and it was just meant to be. So it's not always, we're not saying you do all these things and bam, you're going to win like Ralston said, but it's a hard lesson to learn. But the big thing is don't give up on that either. Like mm -hmm. don't give up either. They're it truly takes a lot to get there. You you were listening when I was preaching to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing we, one philosophy that we have, and you can take it or leave it, is that you have to, you have to put in the work and prepare yourself to be ready to be able to have the opportunity for you and your steer or heifer to win. There are so many good animals, and it also depends upon the judge and what type and kind they like the best, because in our household, we don't agree on our own calves, let alone when you're throwing everything else in there. But if you don't put in all of the work and feed them and work the hair and be ready with all the practicing and using the jackpot shows or whatever shows as the starting area to find out uh, what you need to do to make your calf look right. If you're not set up to win, it isn't going to happen, right? Yeah. You got to do all the stuff that's right to get you in that spot to have a chance. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think that's something that, you know, is a really good point. We had Chris Cassidy on several episodes ago and, you know, he was talking about how, how deep the quality is anymore. You know, how many good ones there are when you go to these shows and he's right. I mean, any show you go to, there's probably realistically 10 to 15 that depending on who's sorting it, depending on the day, if they got the right fill or not, are just as deserving to be at the top. Uh, and that's where I think it comes back to what you're saying is doing all of these things to put you yourself in the best position possible for when it is your day, right? I think going down the show road every weekend, these jackpots, like a lot of these families do, it makes for a long stretch right when you're jackpotting every weekend of the spring it gets long you get tired and maybe you get cranky with everybody else in your group and whatnot but putting yourself in the position to when okay all of the stars align it's your chance that's that's what you can do those are the things that you can control there's a lot of variables that are out of any one of our control when you go into head into a show but it's the work at home making sure that you've done everything that you can to get ready uh, to put yourself in the best possible position you can to be successful it is really what it's all about, I think. I could not agree more. That's, that is a preaching that goes on at uh, the Strope household that if you don't, if we don't go to the shows, uh, maybe like Jefferson said, maybe you're tired of going down the show road, but I think it's important to pick a time frame 
that you can go two or three in a row or or close to not maybe that's not every weekend but maybe it's every other weekend with those same animals and try to do those things that okay I need to clip or top a little bit different next time hey when you're over on the rail don't have the back feet quite don't have three and four quite as far uh, apart they need to be a little bit closer let's try that that time I think it's just that fine tuning. And when you get down to those shows where there are those 10 head that deserve to win, yes, it it's uh, one person's opinion, but it's also the look that they get. And after those three or four shows that you went to, did you get the right look? And is your calf acting the way you want them to? Because let's face it, that's one of the most important things as well. Because do you give the judge a good look? Absolutely. I think that's one thing too. We've talked a lot of, I think I've heard everybody mention it is practice, but it's something that really needs to be drove home. Like practicing at home is so extremely important. A lot of times, even just halters, we'll try two to three to four different kinds of halters. There's so many nowadays (laughs) to find what the calf prefers, what works best for you as the showman they're not automatically going to put their feet where you want them to until you practice that, especially as we're getting into the warmer months, we have more of the opportunity to be practicing at home. When we get to that show, if we have the opportunity to practice in the ring, take it. It's good for you. It's good for your animal. And that's part of setting yourself up for success because you can have the best looking animal out in that pasture but we're not judging them that way. We're judging them on the halter with you showing it and you're a team when it comes down to it. So if you haven't practiced with your team, if you're going into a sport and haven't practiced with your team, how are you expected to win? So how are you going to win with your partner here if you haven't practiced? I definitely agree. The common statement comes to mind of showmanship's not one the day of the show, but it's one at home. And I think that definitely rings true to whether you are trying to win showmanship or you're trying to win the show, you have to have that, you know, those five seconds of when the judge looks at you, you have to make that impression. Um, And that definitely comes with a lot of practice for sure. Awesome. Well, as we are kind of winding down our time, is there any final thoughts or any final, we've given a lot of advice or is there anything that, you know, that you really want to leave with our listeners or make sure that is emphasized or any final words of wisdom to to round us out? Well, one thing that comes to my mind is that we are so fortunate to have had people around us while the kids are showing and Baron's not quite done yet that are willing to help and give us advice. And we feel like we want to give back as much as we can as possible So if anybody wants advice from us, please, please ask. It's free. So that's, you know what it's worth. (laughs) Um, And it will always be a, well, we have found this to work or that to work. And it might not for you, but we're always willing to share our experiences. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, for the both of us. I know Baron would say that. I know my dad, Boyd would say that. And I'd also say everyone has their goals and everyone has their endpoints. We've been very fortunate the way that we've grown up and what we've shown in the show ring, but it is really about the relationships that you're building with the people and which may be easy to say for me, but it is truly about those relationships. You may go in the ring and be the middle of the class every time, last in class every time, but you are doing something that most people in the world never get a chance to do and just remember that and enjoy it in the moment and enjoy the people people that you're with. And thank God for the fact that you have that opportunity to be first or last or middle of the class, but that you're there. I'm certainly grateful to know each of you and your guys' family. And um, I know that Jefferson and I both showing, we certainly have enjoyed getting to know you. And now I know Jefferson kind of helps you guys with feed and takes care of you up there. But um, I just appreciate your guys' willingness to share your story and share your advice with our listeners. And it's definitely worth more than any dollar sign could put to it. So I definitely appreciate it and encourage our listeners to reach out. Um, the Stroke family is definitely one that 
that can help answer your questions. And I know you guys are more than willing to. And I'll just do a plug too. This episode's actually going to air during the classic. So if you're listening to it and you're at the classic, go hang out and check out the Stropes family's consignments because they're definitely quality. And I'm sure that they would help you in your show journey with that animal also. So thank you ladies so much for hopping on. And I certainly appreciate it. And I'm excited to see you down the show road here shortly and look forward to catching up in person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Taylor and Melaine for joining us. I know that I I learned a lot, honestly, and just appreciate them sharing their wisdom and their experiences with us and our listeners and telling their story too. It's pretty awesome. Absolutely. You know, I, I have a blast working with uh, those gals and we've done some stuff. I mean, like Melaine said, she calls me pretty frequently to talk mm-hmm. about feed and uh, Taylor's reached out a few times to do some stuff with like the Exarban Catch Calf Kids and yep. those kind of things. So we've got a good relationship in them and with them and I really enjoy working with them and, uh, you know, showed against Taylor a lot of years yeah. and now watching Baron and, you know, going back to the learning, yep. uh, a lot of the kids that I help, you know, when they're starting out, we'd make him go up to and watch mm-hmm. yep. older kids. And like Baron was one of them said, go watch him. Yep. Right. Like watch what he does, see how he operates in the ring. And uh, they make really good examples for, for younger yes. people to, to watch and learn from. So uh, really glad to have them on and thank them for being a part of this. Yeah. And I think we said this many times with them, but they are definitely a family. If you have any questions, more than willing to to answer them or just listen to what you have concerns about. Go up to Taylor and Melaine, even Baron, um, and their da- their family is just really excited to help that next generation too. And I think it's pretty fitting we are out here at the NCC The Classic, and they're exhibiting a sail heifer here and really excited to kind of help be on the other side of of the show show ring a little bit as Baron's finishing out his final years but definitely a family take advantage of hearing what they have to say or bouncing ideas off them they're more than willing to always visit so I think with that again you know it's pretty fitting this week we are out here at the NCC the classes come visit us at our booth here at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney we wish the best of luck to all of our customers and all the juniors that will be showing this weekend, as well as open class exhibitors that are showing and selling animals kind of throughout the week. We certainly appreciate getting the chance to be your partner on the show feed side, as well as our traditional allied nutrition line, and hope to see you all soon. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Allied Advantage. Thank you for joining us on the Allied Advantage, brought to you by Allied Nutrition. Tune in every second and fourth Thursday of the month and stay up to date with your partner in production and success. The Allied Advantage.